You're listening to the Word of Hope, sermons preached at Hope Lutheran Church in Aurora, Colorado. Today's preacher is Pastor Brian Flammy. In the name of Jesus, amen. Christ is risen. He is risen indeed. Alleluia. One of the disciples came and said to Jesus, Lord, teach us to pray. To be taught to pray. Doesn't that seem a little bit to you like a strange question? I mean, really, who needs to be taught how to pray? Don't you just start speaking to God and He hears you? But I think that just sort of speaking to God out of the blue, out of nowhere, whatever comes upon your heart, this is actually how people think about prayer. It's kind of like some sort, it's, it's kind of like they imagine that out there in the universe there's this great spiritual force that keeps everything running. Sometimes that great spiritual force in keeping its, you know, everything running doesn't make everything run right for you. And so you have to remind, well, let's call this thing God, that things aren't going so great for me, that I need a little bit of help. And so, you know, you turn on the sort of spiritual ham radio in your head and you start transmitting your thoughts, your desires, uh, uh, those things that you love and that you want. And maybe if you're lucky, if you're really lucky, you'll hear, you'll, you'll hear somewhere buried beneath the static, a faint reply. Or, or maybe you'll wake up the very next day and find what you've been asking for has plopped down in your lap, somehow. And you have to ask yourself then, well, is it, is it a coincidence? Probably not. Now, if this is our picture of prayer, as some sort of, I don't know, spiritual radio that transmits thoughts into the universe where God might hear, I suppose it's still possible to wonder, how should we pray? Because, you know, when, when people do pray, they're often met by what? Silence. Or the things that they had been asking for don't actually plop down in their lap. And so they wonder, do you have, you know, do I have the right words? Do I have the right attitude? Do, am, I, am I saying the right things to wake God up, uh, to get his attention, to finally get what I've been asking for? And so then the questions are, am I fit to pray? Am I worthy to pray? Do I have to, do I have to cut some sort of deal with God? This isn't Christian prayer. Jesus says, do not heap up empty phrases as the Gentiles do. For they think they will be heard for their many words. And Jesus also condemns the Pharisee, who tries to cut a deal with God by showing to God how wonderful his good works are and the quality of his being. So how does our Lord Jesus respond to this simple request? How do we pray? He tenderly invites us to believe that God is our true Father and that we are his true children so that with all boldness and confidence, we may ask him as dear children, ask their dear father. Now this, dear saints, is an entirely different kind of picture of prayer. And I am telling you, it is infinitely more comforting. The rest of the world is calling upon a capricious and arbitrary and unknowable God to always shroud it in mystery. But you, dear saints, you call him Father. Thanks be to God. Jesus 
in the clarity and simplicity of the Holy Scriptures this morning teaches us about prayer. And in this, his last portion of the Monday Thursday sermon, we learn first the command and the promise of prayer, second the confidence and the efficacy of praying in Jesus' name, and then finally that we are saved by Jesus and fortified against the devil's attacks that threaten to tear us away from prayer. So first the command. Jesus doesn't suggest that you pray. Instead, he says plainly, ask. It's what's required by the second commandment. The second commandment more, of course, than merely forbids misuse of God's name, but also requires that we use it rightly by praying, praising, and giving thanks to God. You know, if you look through the Holy Scriptures, uh, it's quite amazing. From the very front of the book of Genesis all the way through the Old Testament, the prophets, and, 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 and into the New Testament, and of the preaching of the apostles and the evangelists and into Revelation, you find a record of the prayers of the saints. You hear the words of Abraham, David, Solomon, Jonah, Peter, Stephen, Paul, and countless others. And we have their words, their words of prayer for our instruction and our encouragement. They show us that prayer is a language that springs from faith, that it has to be frequent, that it finds its content and its expression where the word of God is publicly preached, but it also takes opportunity and advantage of going off by, of going off by yourself to pour out your heart to God. The saints in both Testaments take it seriously when the Lord says, Call upon me in the day of trouble, and I will deliver you, and you shall glorify me. Now, Jesus himself, our brother, according to the flesh, also prays for these same reasons. His entire ministry is sort of one big example of prayer. <laughs> that, that he goes into the temple, and what does he do? He prays, even as a child. And he returns there to do the very, very, very same thing. Uh, Jesus will go off by himself when he needs rest to pray. Jesus will pray to God the Father in front of huge crowds, say, Father, glorify your name. He also gives the disciples the very words with which to pray. To pray that God's name be kept holy. That his kingdom should come. That his will would be done. Jesus teaches his disciples to pray for their daily bread, for their forgiveness, that they be preserved from their enemies, and finally, when their last hour comes, that they receive a blessed end in faith. Now, up to this point in Jesus' ministry, up until Monday, Thursday, the disciples had not been petitioning the Father in their prayers through Jesus' name. But now, on the eve of Jesus' death and burial, Jesus says that now when they ask in his name, their joy will be full, which is really to say nothing other than when you pray the Lord's Prayer, certainly these things come by themselves, indeed without our prayer, but now that they would come, they would come to us also. And this is the promise that the Lord adds to the commandment. It's the promise that, that makes prayer pleasing to God and certain. It's the promise is the promise that does require faith. And so Jesus says, whatever you ask of the Father in my name, he will give it to you. And this isn't an overstatement. Jesus means it. Now think about that. The whole world has some sense that they should pray to something greater and better than themselves for what they need in this life. But they don't have the promise. 
that their prayers are either heard or answered. And you do, dear saints. You have that promise. Jesus says that whatever you ask in his name, the Father hears and he gladly gives. And so I tell you, grab a hold of these words of Jesus and don't let go of them. Now, the important question here, and this is the big second point, is why? Why should Christian requests that are lifted up by faith in Jesus' name be done in confidence? And why should they be efficacious when all other prayers are not? So I suppose it might be helpful to remember sort of the uh, uh, Jesus Monday sermon, uh, Monday Thursday sermon in order. Uh, we're at the very end of the sermon, and we've been considering it over the past few weeks. But you have to remember that up until this point, that Jesus has been saying that he's going to the Father, right? That in a little while, his disciples won't see him. But then after a little while, after his death, his burial, they will see him again. Now, this isn't a mystery. Jesus says that, that when he will be seen by his disciples again, when he sees them again, their hearts will rejoice. And of course, he's describing nothing other than his resurrection. And that is the main point. That Jesus' reconciling work of shedding blood, of dying, of being buried and rising again, is both the basis of Christian joy, which is faith that clings to the preaching that Jesus has obtained your salvation, but it's also the foundation of Christian prayer. In other words, without Jesus' wrath-consuming sacrifice, without his rest in the tomb, without his glorious resurrection, accompanied by his word of peace, your prayers are no better than the prayers of a Muslim or the proverbial atheist in a foxhole. These prayers do not please God. More than falling on deaf ears, they invite his wrath because they demand that God meet you where you are as a sinner in rebellion against him even if you don't realize the depth of your corruption. Even under the delusion that God has come, has some sort, of, some sort of obligation to listen to you, the fact is that you'll never be certain and confident that God actually hears and answers you. But with Jesus' blood, with his death, with his burial, and with his resurrection, your prayers Your prayers are like the fragrant incense that captivates the Father's attention. And he cherishes these prayers more than you cherish to hear the voices of your own children. You can and you must ask the Father for all good things of heaven and earth. Why? It's because he's shown his heart towards you through sending to you his son Jesus to be your brother, to bear your sins, and to bind you to resurrected life. Because you have Jesus by faith, you have the Father also. And so Jesus says, the Father himself loves you, because you have loved me, and have believed that I came from God. You see, the Father loves you, not because you're like the Pharisee who who pleads his own case before God's throne. It's, It's because you plead Christ. You and I, as humble as we might seem to ourselves and one another, because we plead Christ and because we have what Christ gives, we are pure and holy priests, cleansed by Jesus' blood and covered in the robes of his righteousness. And as priests, our first and most important work 
is to pray. That's what we do. We approach the glory of God and we lift our requests free from fear of his anger and wrath and in full confidence that he hears and loves us and answers us because he has given us Jesus. Now, the devil hates all of this. Everything that I've said up to this point, the devil just despises. He hates the fact that you're a priest with access to the holy throne of God, the place where he used to accuse you to God's face. Where he used to be until he was cast down and out by Jesus' blood. And so he attacks Christian prayer with a fury, with a fury that is, that is only equaled by his, his venom that he launches against the preaching of God's word. You see, the devil has to fight back against that in this world which is defeating him and driving him back. And so, whenever you hear the word being preached, and whenever its hearers are driven to prayer, you can be sure that the devil, the devil will mount his assault there. And you know what this is like. Because as soon as you hear the gospel, right, that Jesus has died for you, that you have a Father who loves you, and then you begin to petition the Father to make good in all of his promises for Christ's sake, what's the first thing that the devil hisses? He hisses at you and says, you are not worthy. You're not fit enough to pray. And oftentimes it's enough for him to just say that you're tired, you're stressed, you're busy. He'll want you to wait for a time when you're better prepared or when you feel a bit more fit after you've had, you know, a day or two between you and the sin that's troubling your conscience, whatever that sin might be. And then you think, then, then, when that, after a couple of days, then I'll be ready to pray again. But in those moments, when the devil is, is whispering and, and tempting you towards these things, those are the moments when you've been robbed of the comfort of God's word which is especially for busy and exhausted, stressed and troubled sinners. Jesus doesn't want your two-day-old sin. He wants the sin that you have committed today. And so take heart, dear saints. Jesus' word is better than the devil's lies. And the Holy Ghost's work of creating and sustaining your faith through the word is more powerful than the doubts that your Father loves you or wants to hear from you. And though the devil would want to to pluck out of your hand the weapon that drives him back, I tell you to draw it and wield it back to beat him. Are you fit to pray? The answer, of course, is always no. But Christ is. And he gives you his fitness through, through his word. And you have it by faith. When he says that, you know, you need a few days to prepare yourself to pray... Tell him I have Christ and see if the devil can swallow that. Now, St. Paul, of course, in Ephesians 6, calls this bearing the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God, praying at all times in the Spirit, with all prayer and supplication. And so with this double-edged sword, the devil, the world, and even the weakness of your own flesh can't help but be routed. And remember this. Now, when you're fighting against the devil, you're not standing alone on the plane. It is Christ who fights with you 
and for you. He is the one driving the devil back. Through Christ's name, and his kingdom, and his will, they certainly come by themselves. But I'm telling you, dear saints, now they're coming to you. So take heart. Christ has conquered your enemies. And he comes today to conquer your doubts. Let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace, that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Amen. Christ is arisen. He is risen indeed. Alleluia. May the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus until life everlasting. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Word of Hope. We hope your time with us was one of joy and peace in hearing the Lord's Word and kindness. If you have questions about anything you heard on today's broadcast, please don't hesitate to contact us at office at hope-aurora.org or call the office at 303-364-7416. For more information about our congregation, for locations, service time, and schedule, please visit our website at www.hope-aurora.org. Thank you for listening to the Word of Hope.